Tuesday, everybody, and welcome back to the Couchside Judges. I'm Scott Fontana. Follow me on Twitter at Scott underscore Fontana. And I'm Dan Urban. Follow me at the Dan Urban. Follow the podcast at Couchside Judges and subscribe to us wherever you listen. And do me a favor. Get that five-star review in, like now. And we're going to talk judging and MMA, so make sure you read that scoring criteria. If you can find it. Good point. Good point. Just use Google, like we <laughs> like we've been saying, right? Yeah. One of these days, we're gonna, we're going to get around to making it easier for our uh, our following to get the access to this. I, I know we will. It'll be good. It's in play. It's in play. I like yeah. that. Mm-hmm. I'm in play again. That's good. Yeah. That's good. As uh, as maybe some of you noticed, uh, we didn't have a show come out on Monday. Uh, that was because Dan said, "No, no, no. We're not. We're doing Tuesdays now. From now on." Honestly, I wouldn't have mind if we just said, yeah, I'll forget this week. No, the reason is uh, I was sick and my family was also sick and it's still not quite over it. Kiddos are still working their way through it. Um, so we pushed it back a day. Give uh, me a chance to recover, me a chance to catch some of the uh, the rounds that I wasn't able to quite watch as much as I wanted to uh, on Saturday night. And I probably watched what Dan wished he watched because... Uh, well, I missed some of the fights that he wished he hadn't seen, at least live. There was no reason for me to ever see these fights. <laughs> well, the UFC has uh, unfortunately stopped caring about the quality of their fight night cards. They, they don't care at all. Okay. They they felt like the, they dropped like six levels. I had them very, very high up. After what they did to me Saturday, I, I, I dropped them like six levels. What was the worst part of it? Because I know there were several elements of of Saturday that you just were not satisfied with. The worst part was the pacing. After being used to Bellator being like just firing out prelims. Earlier in the day, yeah. Just prelim after prelim. It seemed like they didn't even give him an entrance. It's like, just get out there right now because you're fighting in, in three minutes. And then UFC is like, ah, now who cares that it's like 2.30 in the morning. We'll still play this video package and then we'll get on with the with the card. Like, and it's just stupid. There was there was no reason to push the time back as far as they did. There was no reason that uh, this card was was what it was. I mean, I think if I if I got to award fight of the night, fight of the night would have went to Tybora and Spivak. Uh, uh, Tybora and uh, Ivanov. I'm sorry. That was okay. that was the best fight of the night in, in my eyes. Other That's, than that, uh, it's like it's, was it really that good? Because I mean, I, I well, I mean, it lasted two minutes. There was that fight of the night in you know relative to that card. There was there you was. Know, the uh one of one of the uh it was like the fight that ended in 33 seconds both the names are escaping me um because i didn't put that as my favorite finish but that was fun while it nakamura lasted. was it nakamura i think it was nakamura yeah were thir- you to nakamura maybe but you don't get fight at night for 30 seconds uh no but it was probably the most engaging like even throughout the course of that short fight it was it was fun throughout those 30 seconds as opposed sure. to nothing happened in 30 seconds and then the guy was out and boom yeah that, that, more of that should have happened Oh, yeah. I mean, there, there's a reason why we had, I, I know I'm, I'm jumping ahead, but there's a reason why we had only 53% uh, unanimous here for the judges. These were lower level guys. We hear this all the time that at these low, at the lower levels, crazier things happen and, th- and things are, are, are skewed there. And that's Definitely exactly trial what trial by fire. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. And it, it's also in, in tune because we only had 15 rounds to score. And the fights that you're referring to specifically are the ones as part of the uh, Road to UFC tournaments, the finals that they had here, correct? Yeah. I mean, they didn't even get the 30 on their gloves. 
I think that was probably done in the same way. It, when they do the Ultimate Fighter later this year, which is now going to be coached by Conor McGregor and uh, and Michael Chandler, I suspect the same thing will happen there. They won't get the 30 on their gloves either. Possibly. Maybe they will. Um, I, I just, exp- I don't know. That card's going to be different, I think. That just matches the way, like, you know, you saw the trunks that they were wearing. It was not the typical, you know, in, in this case, Venom style. It was it was the road to UFC yeah. bland trunks. That's the same thing they would do with with tough. So I imagine it's all done in a particular branding way for a specific reason. Yeah, I mean, they just put four contender series fights on a UFC card. I don't necessarily disagree there. Happened. So this, this this certainly and I love the contender a, series, a but it's its own entity. It's not sure. a, it doesn't go on a fight night. And we don't take the time to go over the scores from those unless there's some sort of crazy uproar. Then yeah, we'll we'll take anything. Like if someone says, "Hey, there's a really weird round you guys ought to look at." We're open to submissions and suggestions, and if we can get to it in time for the recording of the show, we'll look at anything. We're not necessarily snobs in that respect. It's just we don't take the time to watch every single round every single week who could it's a lot but i always i always try to compare it and i just and it, it sh- i struggle with the not getting to this point like i feel the ufc should be the nf uh the mlb if you would use baseball as an analogy and then bellator would be triple a and then pfl maybe double a but that's not how it works in fighting and ufc is just trying to get as many contenders as they can from all over the world who potentially may turn into something it's just they're, they're throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks basically i mean they're also yeah i mean so, they're they're really just trying to make sure that they can reach into uh, you know tapped untapped markets for them so you know now they have uh, one of the winners is from india of course uh anshul jubli that that's another entry point for them to try and spread their brand that's what they're doing you know yeah and i just don't i'm not here for it really i'm not here for it either i'm i'm not really like defending it i'm just kind of I get how it works, and and I'm explaining it, and I know you understand that that's pretty much it too. So I know it's so annoying. It is annoying. I don't disagree. But, but you, you know what? This wouldn't have been terrible if they just started the card at eight o'clock. <laughs> yeah. Like there was no reason to push it back as far as they did. Yeah, it seems to me that probably you would have been less um, frustrated with this whole process if this was you know four o'clock prelim start or seven o'clock prelim start even. No, it wouldn't have been. Um, but also. Then the main event we got, Derek Lewis looked terrible. Like, absolutely terrible. Like, not even to the point where you can be like, Spivak looked really good. It was like, I think it was just Derek Lewis looking really, really bad. I do think there's at least an like, element to uh, to the to the fact that Spivak uh, attacked the, you know, keeping him down in a specific way that I thought was pretty smart. Like, he, a lot of times when Lewis just does that, like, you know, hulking up, get back up kind of thing he does that has no technique and he just somehow manages to do it. Um, it's, it's one of those things that guys just kind of let go. And I think now someone like Spivak is prepared for it. He's also uniquely qualified to handle it too, where, okay, he's getting back up. I'm just going to make sure I stay on him and push him right back down, get a mat return. That so, mat return looked crazy. It was really like, it was you have so to awkward. give him the props for that though. He did a good job. I think strategically he did a real great job. Sure. Good but win, yeah, good I, I win for him. Not, good Lewis win for did him. not look good either. It's, I think it's too, I think it's both ways there. All right. All right, enough on this. We got to talk more about it a little later. Yeah, I'd rather talk about Bellator to be honest. I yeah. knew you wanted to leave with that because that was that was a frustrating uh, part for you. But I thought at least Bellator had, you know, I don't know what the ratings are as per what they wanted out of the uh, out of the experience. 
I heard from being back on CBS, but at least I thought it was a good card and I thought it played out well, at least the CBS portion. I thought I, I read somewhere someone posted all the numbers for CBS uh, aired cards. I think this was the lowest rated one. Well, uh, the, uh, 900... I saw Luke had posted Luke Thomas, but yeah, it was 900, but that's not a complete rating. That was the overnight. I thought that was um, I thought that, that was the that's average a number that would grow. But oh, um, maybe I forget exactly. It was a number that was meant to grow, though. OK, was part of the point there. I if think gonna... it was only because it only factored in nine between nine and eleven o'clock. And if I recall, Fedor didn't hit the cage till after eleven. So, Scott, I went back on CBS to get some notes for the rounds we're going to talk about from Bellator. OK, I, CBS is doing them no help. Between <laughs> yeah. ev- between every round, there is a 242nd ad between every round. That's a whole other round. You, an unskippable ad? Unskippable ad for 240 Holy. seconds on CBS. On, on, Holy moly. Yeah, it, it's it's absolutely ridiculous. Holy guacamole to give your uh, Yes, food there food. you go. Oh, that's a good one. I, might sh- I should have that You don't one. use that one. I think you should. You should incorporate that. I like that. It's usually I stick with the Italian foods, but I'm going to co- incorporate guacamole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go, go, go the Mexican route, man. It is, it is probably one of my favorite cuisines. Mexican or just yeah. straight up guac? No, Mexican. Okay. Well, like that does it for my food. Um, what no, else? No, no, no. no we're, we're going to extend this. The show is actually going to be about that now. Oh, that's right. You haven't eaten in a couple of days, so you're quite hungry. I mean, I'm, right? I'm eating. I'm, yeah. I'm eating okay, uh, okay. now. It's, it, it was for a while. I wasn't. I think, <laughs> I think Friday I had. Um, Goodness, would I have like a piece of toast or something? I don't remember. No, I had I had I had half of a, a turkey and cheese sandwich, and that was the food that I consumed. Okay, because I mostly slept, mm. and I'd mostly been too worried that I was gonna uh, everything would find its way back to its original source. Of and, mm. and uh, yeah, so I, I did a lot of what I, I drank a lot of Gatorade and a lot of um, kind of Pedialyte ish type stuff. It was like yeah, you, you kind of dumped you dumped the. Uh, a little powder into the water and it turns it sort of into like an electrolyte drink oh yeah like those the the uh the hydration things like the the post hangover recovery type stuff <laughs> we got them at uh at the wedding i was at uh when we missed uh the 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 last pay-per-view of last year was it 282 is that the number it was maybe yeah it had to be 282 the one one with uh P- patty pimlet and jared gordon or yeah, that was part. That was part of the uh, oh, like the care package. If you stayed in the hotel, and, and uh, you know, we were we we actually got to stay in my father in law's room because he wasn't going to use it. Oh, nice. That was nice. Yeah, but that's neither here nor there. We're we're kind of off off beat here. Let's get back to Bellator. Let's be, get back to again. I, I nonetheless, whatever the ratings were, it was. I think it was at least a, a successful aesthetically. Um, and in terms of the, you know, what the fights were going to deliver and look, no one was going in there being like, yeah, Fedor's got this. I think there was a lot of like, Hey, maybe, but ultimately it was, we kind of got what we were expecting out of Fedor at least. Well, but yeah, other, I mean, other than that, it's still, I think a successful event. I came around on it just cause it was Fedor's fi- finale. But when it was first announced, I was like, why, why is this happening? And as time went on, I, I, I kind of got on board with it. Well, you understand why it happened, right? Yeah. So, because the guy like wouldn't take any other fight. <laughs> All the fights we wanted, we like. If you had asked me, like, give me three guys that would be good options for his last fight, something fun, memorable, great way to go out. Anderson Silva, and this is in no order: Anderson Silva, Junior dos Santos, and Alistair Overeem. Perfect. And he had no interest in any of them when I asked him about this. He said, no, they were fired from the UFC for their losses. 
Okay. So he's like, nah, I don't want that. Awesome. All right. <laughs> That's how he rolls, man. He wanted to go out against someone who was at least winning. He wanted to test himself. Okay. I respect that. Yeah, sure. Either way. It was but, pretty... you know, yeah, didn't didn't go well. <laughs> it was cool to see everyone in the cage, though. That was cool. I thought that was a nice moment. And, and say what you want about Scott Coker. You know, maybe he's not the most high energy promoter there is. And, you know, they've gone to the the well of the older fighter probably a little too often to the point where it kind of built their brand that way for, for quite a while. I think they're slowly moving away from that, but at the very least he kind of respects the history of not just martial arts, but this sport in particular. And I think this was proof of that. It, it didn't really gain a whole lot other than like maybe some fun memories and maybe people are just like, Oh, nice job, Bellator. Yeah. You know? Oh yeah. But he cool. did it. Yeah. Well, who did he, he had everyone in the ring, right? Yeah. Bunch of people, yeah. I mean, it was like it was almost everybody who like is persona non grata with the UFC now. So it was like Frank Shamrock, Josh Barnett, um, Matt Hughes. I think Matt Hughes is still very welcome in that circle. Um, Randy Couture, yeah. Chuck was there. Chuck Liddell, Hoist, Wait, Chuck was there. Hoist and, yeah, Chuck was in the ring. Uh, Why didn't I see him in there? He had his mohawk still. Um, I believe it was Hoist and Henzo were in there as well. They were both of them. Yeah, in, in one of the photos. Henzo was uh, kneeling and someone pointed out, they're like, why is he kneeling? I'm like, well, he's got to practice neon belly wherever he can. That's yeah, That's true. You got to sharpen your tools. That's true. Also, mm-hmm. uh, Dan Henderson was there. Yes. So, yeah. I was going to say Hendo yeah. as well. So, so yeah, not, not everyone is like totally unwelcome in the UFC, but like <laughs> it's kind of, that's kind of the first one. And Chael, don't forget Chael. Chael was, I didn't notice Chael there. Oh, Chael was there, yeah, because oh, the the it, the list was like it was like former champion, former champion, former champion, former champion, former champion, and Chael, <laughs> almost champion Chael. Hey, honestly, it's hard not to think of him as like kind of the last best guy in the WEC middleweight division because he was supposed to have it was supposed to be a title fight rematch against Paul Ophelia. I don't know if you know this, Dan. I don't know how much you remember this, but. Uh, he was supposed to have a title fight rematch against Paulo Filio, having lost the first one. And Filio missed weight. Mm. But then Chael goes out there and wins a three-round decision in a fight that very likely he would have won rounds four and five, too. Okay. So it's it's hard for me to say there, like, the guy wasn't really some form of a champion at some point. He just never actually got to be. So that's weird. So because Filio missed weight, the belt wasn't on the line? Correct. He was. Uh, it was stripped of it, I guess. They just made it a non-title fight. That is so weird. It, it's usually the I don't other know if they stripped. I, I mean, they, I think they did strip him because they were ending the oh. division and it was going. That was the last like middleweight fight in WEC gotcha. history. So gotcha. they were just moving it over. All right. But yeah, we're we're now talking about WEC instead of Bellator. <laughs> we want to do everything but talk about Bellator. I think you were talking though about pacing. I wanted to ask you this because I did not watch the the prelims live. I went back and watched a couple for for the purposes of the show, but. Um, I was informed that there was like a a half hour gap. Like they ended the prelims at like half an hour before the CBS card started. And they just made all the four remaining fights into post limbs. But they could have gotten one in, in theory. What was your take on that? I know you don't like post limbs. Yeah, post limbs are stupid. Um, (laughs) They should just have a count. I mean, I loved how they paced this show. But if they had they just started two hours earlier, there would you know Fader would have been the main event, final attraction, mm-hmm. main you know nothing else after that. At least part um, of the pacing is too. Yeah, and you got to give credit to this, or, or at least understand this as a part of it. 
most of these fights went to a decision. There were so, well, that, so many of these fights and so many fights in general. So like, yeah, they had to keep moving. Otherwise they would have had like six post limbs. But that's the thing. I think Bellator takes into account that the prelims usually have a bunch of finishes the way they, sure. the way they book them often. Do. And it didn't happen this time. And they're like, Oh no, now we're going to have four post limbs. Um, Whereas the UFC, it's they account for every fight to go to a decision. Everything, you know, the next fight you, you will notice usually, unless they start having to rush things for whatever reason, it's like almost like on the 15 or in the 45, like mm-hmm. almost to almost like perfect. But and that's what got annoyed. That's why I got annoyed with, with the later fights at the UFC. But here's what I, I want to ask you something too. like if the UFC were to do this, because I, I had this thought based on what the, the what Bellator did here. What if, because we know that they're going to start X prelims at X time, right? So we know they're always going to do the early prelims are, let's say for a pay-per-view, the early prelims are 6.30. Then we know that the regular prelims are going to be, which is stupid that they separate them, but nonetheless, 8 o'clock is when the next set of prelims start, and then the pay-per-view starts at 10. What if they just had the fights back to back to back to back, and then they said, okay, we're going to give you a 15, 20-minute break here. We know that you're going to come back at eight o'clock. Like, you know, the time, yeah. would you like that pacing? Yeah. I wish they would tell us the exact time the fight's going to start. Exactly. That's, that's yeah. what I'm getting at. At least you get a, you, you can have that time in place, you know, or like if, if it was a fight night where they don't have the early prelims, it's just prelims, the main card. Right. Mm-hmm. So if they had, you know, all the fights were going super quick. Right. And then they said, okay, let's just take an hour break. I know that's good. Especially if, if they're traveling, that can be tough, but if in the apex, yeah, there's not that many people there. Probably gives people a chance to look around a little bit. They're not. No one's going to be booing in the apex. Like there's only like 30 people there. I wonder if they have concessions. I'm sure they have some form of way to get a lot of money mm-hmm. out of you for food and beverage. Yeah, <laughs> I would be curious how much it costs. Yeah. Interesting. You know, I'm sure somebody who goes to the apex frequently would be able to tell us. Yeah, I thought it was fine. You know what? You can usually. I mean, uh, if you go on the sports book mm-hmm. and you just scroll to see the fights. It usually tells you what time it's closing before you can, you know, stop betting on it. Sure. No, that's So that's true. what I, I used to do that when, when I bet on fights, but haven't really done that anymore. But notice that's, they know when the next fight's going to start, or at least right, right. the very vicinity of it. So. All right. But anyway, to steer it back to, I know I'm taking us off topic a lot too. One more thing I wanted to ask you about uh, Bellator itself. Johnny Eblen. Because I don't remember if you got to watch his fight against uh, Gegard Mousasi, or if you had even watched any of his previous fights. But, well, first off, had you watched those? No. Okay, so this is your first time watching Johnny Evelyn. I think you had me watch him fight Mousasi. Okay, so I, don't well, that was a 50-45, so I don't think I would have made uh, you do it for our show. I don't know. I think you told me to watch him. Maybe I did. I don't, I don't know if you did or not. But what are your thoughts on Johnny Evelyn now that he's, well, uh, he's he's two fights into uh, his championship run? He looks good. I mean, and since middleweight is very top-heavy, I don't think it's crazy to put him in the top five uh, of the whole sport. It's probably fair. So, because because you gotta respect Gegard Mousasi. Like I know he's not always the most fun, but like he had accomplished enough that his standing in the sport was at a certain level. So mm-hmm. for him to beat him and then to go out there and also put on an excellent fight as he did against Anatoly Tokov, I think that at least solidified. Okay, he's not just a flash in the pan. He's he's going places. He looked really good. Like the talent's there. You can tell. Oh, for sure. I I mean I I. It's not like if he fought Pajeda, I'd be like, Pajeda's going to wipe the floor with him. I, I, I kind of think the opposite a little bit. I think Evan I'd, has. I'd it. be interested to see, yeah, because he's got the wrestling. So, and I, I think he'd have a, you know, it'd be a fun fight, him versus uh, Adesanya, too. Sure. I, 
any of those fights really that german suplex was fun that is he should do more of that and he did in the fifth round too like this is this isn't the type of thing you expect in the fifth round i saw someone say he's done that back-to-back fifth rounds is that right I don't so maybe i didn't the... see his last fight i don't remember that distinctly in the okay. Mosasi fight i'm not saying it didn't happen okay. um, i'm also coming out of a an illness over the weekend <laughs> so you know forgive my memory but but yeah he, he impressed me he kept his uh streak going he's never lost a round because uh well the two rounds that we're going to talk about from bellator's main card um we didn't do the uh the prelims or the post limbs for these but i guess even before we get to those two rounds i should say let's do the quick round breakdown yeah um which we like to do I think we don't always remember to. I think I'm trying to get better at this year. That's part of my New Year's resolution. Hopefully you'll keep me honest with that as well, my friend. Uh, but in Bellator, we'll lead with them. They had 34 scored rounds, which is way more than we ever talk about. And yeah, they had 14 fights. They had 14 but, but fights. Let me point they, this out. They had 14 fights and they hired 11 judges. I think that's the way to do it. Not like we did it last week. We only had six judges. Mm-hmm. They had California had 11 judges and five different referees. Nobody was really overworked there. It was a good job. They, they spread it out nicely. They got all all the up and comers like uh, or or that wouldn't be doing the main events like Lieben. Uh, they got their work in. And then you had the traveling guys take over kind of later in the night for, you know, the bigger fights. And it was solid. I mean, California is a I guess. I don't know if this is the right terminology, but I'll use it anyway. A prestige commission. It's it's mm-hmm. definitely a, like a destination commission because they put on so many fights. They attract big fights. Um, and obviously, Andy uh, Andy Foster is probably the, the best commissioner in the country. Yeah, and it was... by consequence, pretty much the world. Yeah, it was good. But yeah, so 34 rounds. I don't know the exact scores of one of the post-limb fights because Bellator neglected to share it. Um, still tracking that down. I can probably get it from California, get it officially. But outside of the three potential rounds that could be split somewhere, it was unanimous 29-28 in Yusuf Karakaya versus Ethan Hughes, by the way. So it might be no splits. It might be several splits. You never know. But Bellator, 28 out of 34 is the maximum of their unanimous rounds. Mm-hmm. That's 82.4%. If, if they were all aligned on that fight, 82.4%, 28 out of 34. That's a really good job. Really good uh, teamwork there. Getting on the same page, scoring the fights the same way. That was solid. It's really good. Uh, less so in the UFC, but that doesn't necessarily mean the the quality of judging was poorer. It, I think it speaks to what you were talking about earlier, which is uh, the lower quality of the uh, talent level relative to what you'd expect from the UFC. So we had eight out of 15 unanimous rounds. Yeah, slightly above 50%. 53 at a third percent. Yeah. So let's get over to the Bellator contested rounds. We've got two of them, like I said, both in Johnny Eblen's fight, round one and round two. Start with round one. Yeah, kind Makes of a, sense. Yeah, kind of a slow round. Very close. I think Tokov lands three solid strikes to the head in the round. The rest of the round is Eblen landing leg kicks, a couple punches to the head, I think an elbow. Uh, in the clinch, they're exchanging knees. I think Tokov's probably getting the better of the knees here, just just slightly. Uh, really close round, but I land on Eblin 10-9. I thought it was close, but honestly, I felt pretty good with my Eblin score here. This was I don't even think I would say close, but clear. It was just like, you know what? It was it was close, but I, I arrived at a score that I, I feel very good about okay. in Eblin. Fair. Yeah. Um, I was actually surprised how many people online did have Tokov here. 
Um, but having seen that, I, I I get it. And the fact that Judge Elliot Kelly was on the Tokov side there makes sense. Ron McCarthy and Chris Crail saw it our way. Though. Mm. And then round two, sir. Yeah, Tokov is finding his range, and he's landing pretty good in this round. Eblin's eye is starting to swell up. It's got a little blood around it. Uh, Eblin is swinging wild and missing. Uh, he is landing some good leg kicks, though. As the round goes on, Eblin does you know, start landing a couple upstairs. But I think Tokov's getting the better of it. And like I mentioned, Eblin's eye is looking you know, decently messed up, at, or at least getting to that point. But then Eblin drops Tokov with an elbow, takes him down, lands some ground and pound, a couple of knees against the fence. I went Eblin 10-9, but re- re-watching this for uh, the notes, mm-hmm. I was like, maybe you got this wrong? I'm not sure. But then I don't think then- you got it wrong. I, I, I would say, because I gave serious, serious, serious thought. I was so torn on this uh, to going Tokov here. And I was almost wondering, I'm like, man, did I just knee-jerk reaction to it to go Eblin here? And I, I don't think so. I, I actually feel confident that it's a defen- it's totally a defensible score, first off. To well, give yeah, this I agree one there. And that's that's why I don't think you got it wrong. You know, I don't think there's a wrong answer here um, because, yeah, I mean, the, the question is, how much do you give credence to that end of the round when I thought Tokov was winning quite well up until that point, although not a total shutout? Hmm. So it's it's always tricky when you get to a round like this where, you know, it, it can be defended one way or the other. But nonetheless, I ended up on Eblin as well. So did you. So did judges Chris Crail and. Elliot Kelly, and then Ron McCarthy was the one who saw this from Tokov. Again, super, super defensible score here. Yeah, for sure. It was tight. So, But again, those are two rounds where Eblin was the majority score. So even though it was 49-46 twice plus the 50-45, Eblin still has that streak of winning every round of his career. It's intact. It is impressive. You got to hand it to him. Uh, and that was it for Bellator once, once again. And there was uh, one of the fights that ended, I believe it was on the post limbs was one of those alternative decisions that we like to oh, talk we had another about. We, talk, we talked about last time. Yeah, there was, but we're not going to talk about it. it just, it's just a little too much with, with everything going on. The fact that I was getting over things and still taking care of my kids and everything. It, it just didn't have time. So. I, also, honestly, I a hundred percent expected us to talk about Brennan Ward and Sabah Hamasi. I a hundred percent expected. You figured that would one. be a, a fight we would talk about. You're saying. Yeah. I think me and you both scored it round one for Ward. Mm-hmm. But all and three, it was a all three were unanimous for Hamasi. Yeah. So I was, I was a little surprised too. It, hey, it is what it is. I, I'm willing to, you know, defer to the judges in that case. Yeah. I don't think it's one that we need to really break down and be like, yeah, yeah but it's like, <laughs> you know what? They had it. Yeah. It's okay. It's okay. And I don't think we got it wrong. I still think I have a score that I can defend. But if that's what they I had, agree. that's what they yeah, had. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, and, and if I'm wrong, if you judge that fight and you want to reach out and be like, listen, boy. You don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> That's fine. I was sick. I, I, have, I have an excuse. I got a crutch built in. <laughs> You've got no that, excuse. That was a bloody, bloody fight. That was a really bloody fight. Welcome back to Network TV. Yeah. <laughs> Good start. I liked it. I liked it. Did you did you see the um the the you saw the tweet I did right the the, the fake Morrow quote? Yeah, because yeah. he well, he said something crazy too, and I was like, that, I almost responded with that quote because. I thought it, your quote was real at first. Oh, yeah, no. I mean, I, but it wasn't. I made it clear, I, as you yeah, know. I yeah. did make it clear that that was not real, but... Yeah. I just, <laughs> should, I, should I find it? Yeah, I can find it. I actually got it right here. You want me to do it? Yeah. And on the network that brought you the Big Bang Theory, Brennan Ward delivered a Big Bang to the head of Saba Homasi. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, 
pretty good Moro there. That was a good Moro? Thank yeah, you. I never good. tried it. I it never tried it. Good. I don't know if that'll come out. It'll probably just be a bunch of loud noises that you're going to have to figure <laughs> out in post. <laughs> Uh, but totally believable once again, <laughs> right? <Yeah. laughs> All right, that that was it for Bellator, though. We or at least for the main card. We're going to shift over to the UFC. We'll start with a fight that I think you would agree is absolutely UFC caliber. Oh yeah, these no, these guys are up there. Duo Choi. This was on the main card. Duo Choi making his uh, his return to the UFC against Kyle Nelson. Well, nobody won. Majority draw. Twenty eight all twice and a twenty nine twenty seven. Round two was our split round, and we'll get to an, a little bit after that why we're talking about this as a majority draw. But first off, round two, why are we talking about this as a split round at all? Well, Nelson's having himself a pretty good first half of the round. You know, he lands very uh, early. Yeah, he lands a nice right that stumbles Choi uh, back to the fence, lands a couple other good strikes. But Choi's also uh, firing back. He's landing some decent ones of his own. He lands a nice elbow uh, and his leg kicks. He just kept chopping down the leg a little bit. Uh, at the halfway mark is where Nelson is visibly slower, maybe, you know, probably gassing a little bit. And Choi just continues to punish the leg, lands some good shots on the ground. Uh, in that last half, Nelson does get through, like, on three pretty good shots, including a leg kick that spins Choi all the way around. So maybe if you, you know, you were kind of close on there, and then he lands these shots, I could see, it. okay, you pushed it back over in his favor. I think Choi was just uh, better overall in this one, so I went 10-9 Choi. Listen, I've not trained striking, so I'm going to ask you like kind of a maybe a noobish question on striking because at least you've done a little bit of that. When he when Choi takes the leg kick and allows it to spin him around, I look at that and say, well, that's probably less damaging than the ones he's landed because he's not planted. He's allowing his his leg to move a little more with the momentum. No, I suppose. I mean, I was never one. Anytime I sparred, I would I would always hear Dan, you better start checking those. Sure. Dan, you better start checking those. And then like three more later, it's like, I probably should have started checking those. <laughs> well, how many times were you spinning yeah. around? I was always heavy on the front foot, so I was never spinning. So that's it probably mm -hmm. hurt more. You're probably right. So I don't really have any experience, you know, getting spun okay. around like that. Yeah. Anyone, anyone with striking experience, enlighten me. Because again, I don't have that. I've just broken my cheekbone a couple times being punched. So that's, that's not really striking experience this is being damaged experience <laughs> it's not the same 10 7 damage <laughs> yeah and that's to my face i my legs have been pretty good yeah <laughs> but I, I, so that's why when i looked at like a strike like that and i'm like i don't think that looks as damaging at least in my interpretation of it especially to the the continued amount of those leg strikes that are being landed like thudding and, and just like to a planted leg mm. uh, the way Choi is throwing them I graded those pretty high in this round. Okay. So that, that was more or less why I ended up going to Choi there. Again, I think probably the highest spot belonged to Nelson, mm -hmm. but I, it just, it was, there weren't enough of them. And I didn't think it was that high to overcome what I thought were some really damaging leg strikes. That's what they looked like to me. All right. Sound fair. Sounds good. All right. So what does that mean uh, for judge Adelaide bird? She gets a couch side override. <laughs> I think that's the first one of the year. First one of the whole year? Yeah. Get out of here. I think so. I'm not really sure. I thought we did I thought we did one in one of the first two UFCs. No? Yeah, maybe. I, I don't know. Well, either way, we, we didn't side uh with Judges Eric Colon and Chris Lee. Um may, maybe because again, I have a lesser understanding of the way you'd absorb that leg strike. Maybe that strike even in general means more uh than I'm giving it credit for and probably someone uh, like judges Cologne and Lee, who are very veteran, would have a better understanding of it. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, they would, they just will, but yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe that is something that weighs heavily for them. I guess what I really Okay. I mean, it's <laughs> not definitely, a good visual to spawn better. around. What's that? No, it's not a good visual, but I, yeah. I feel like, again, it's, it just isn't, it doesn't look like something. It looks like you're, you're allowing your leg to move away, which isn't like keeping all of the, the, you know, yeah, the impact going in it. one spot. It's it's allowing it to dissipate, I would think, a yeah, little bit, you know? Probably. That's that's why I look at it like that. I'm like, maybe it's not so bad. Mm. Maybe I'm wrong. What do I know? <laughs> Don't kick me in the legs. <laughs> but there was another reason we did want to talk about this fight in particular, and it was in the next round. Yeah. And this is why we have a majority draw. This is the, yeah. First... There was a clash of heads. It keeps, everyone jumps to saying headbutt, and I totally am guilty of doing it for years and years and years, I probably still do it from time to time, but I'm trying to wean myself off the idea of saying headbutt every time. A headbutt's when you're saying, "Now nah, I'm going to try and hit him with the he- with my head here. Let's see mm, how that goes." I kind of, I kind of think this was a headbutt. You think so? I think I. How can you, how can you penalize Sky for a clash of heads? It's not a foul to accidentally clash heads. It's damaging. It is, but it's not a foul to to accidentally clash heads with someone. It is when you, you know. You go forcefully with your head forward, even if it's not on purpose. It's still, but it's that's still, a a, it's an illegal, it's an illegal strike because you're using your head as the strike. Yes, yeah, so that that's a headbutt, though. I guess. I mean, I it's, think, but, but I don't think that's what he was. I think what he was trying to do was something with like pull his head up, pull, pull uh, Nelson's head up. Choi was. It's, it's this was Duho Choi who's committing the foul, by the way. Um, it looked to me like he was kind of pulling the head up and he was trying to move his body down at the same time, and he just missed where his head should be. Right. So, like he, I mean, yeah. call it what you want, I guess. It doesn't really matter if you call it clash of heads or headbutt. It's still not legal what he did because he caused damage with his head. So, right. yeah, that, what we're getting at here is that judge uh, or excuse me, referee Chris Tonioni decided to take away a point for this. And this caused a stir, as these things often do. Right. Yeah, I got I got no issue with the point deduction. I don't either. Originally, when he first, I said, "Oh wow, he took that point for that," because um, I thought it looked like um, Nelson initiated him coming down. So it's like it would be incidental. But, but then I seems... saw on the replay, it chose the one going down. So sure, it did seem though that the point a lot of people were making is like, "Well, come on, why aren't we taking a point for uh, well that up kick to the grounded opponent in uh, in round two of the next fight we're going to talk about, which is uh, Zhang Young Lee versus uh, Ija." Yeah, that well, yeah. So you got that's a whole different story. It is, that, it is. We can, a, and we can get into the t- yeah. details of it there. But just the fact that this happened earlier in the night. Now we have this head clash later in the night, and there's a point taken here, but there was no point taken earlier. Different referee in that case, uh, Mark Smith, right? Was on the other one. Mark, yeah. So yeah. Do you want to just set the, it up here? Should we? Should we just say what happened there exactly, so we can kind of get this out of the way? Yeah. So uh, Lee is on top, right? Lee, no. Uh, Who's on top here? Uh, I got it here. So what round was that in? That was round two. Oh, here we go. Yeah, Lee Lee is on the bottom, so uh, E is on top. He gets that sounds right. Lee kicks him in the face. Mark Smith stops it, rightfully so. Stands them up, has them go to their corners. Was gonna have E checked out by the doctor, but E said, "No, I'm fine. We're good." And then they're like, "All right, fight on," and they just start fight standing. But so, it was a situation. It was kind of one of those not not exactly the same, but it was. Similar to the time when Anderson Silva lands the upkick on Yushin Okami way, 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 way back um, when Okami's on his knees in the guard and somehow gets upkicked. Mm-hmm. It was similar to that kind of scenario where the guy's on the ground and he eats the upkick. It's it's yeah. a weird thing. It's a, 
I still feel like that strike should be legal, actually. Maybe one day it will be. I mean, I, I can dream. <laughs> but but yeah, I think the question is like, why why are we enforcing it here? And we're not enforcing it there. And, and there is a lot of inconsistency with the enforcement of damaging fouls. I And it does seem like uh, referee Chris Tognoni is is more likely observationally to give or to, to deduct a point in these situations than a lot of other referees. Uh, do you think that's fair or is that something you've observed mm. as well? Possibly. I mean, it, it could it could stem. I'm not from... saying it does all the time, but like it seems to be happening more frequently it, from him than others. Here, sometimes I always think I, I always think do we do we should we take into account bout order where we see a little inconsistencies in like some of the scoring? Like, oh, why wasn't this round earlier a ten eight, but this round later on was a ten eight? Like, certainly is, should have something is, to do. With is there calib- is there calibration mid event? Like, guys, they shouldn't. I, what, I think with a foul like that, here? I feel like they shouldn't. So but you never know. Like, so maybe they say, hey, we probably should have taken a point from that. So maybe that plays into something later. Who knows? Uh, you hear a lot from officials that they they don't want to inject themselves into the outcome of the fight. Right? Yeah, right. So like they, they they're loath to take the point because they don't want to be the ones who cause the fight to go one or the other. It's like but at the same time, it inaction in this sense is an action in and of itself. So if you decide not to take a point, you're also especially if it did end up to some degree and inarguably these to some degree don't cause some damage uh it changes the fight well, without this, penalty for the person who committed the foul well this the the fight between lee and e changed the fight in lee's favor mm-hmm. uh, this wasn't the craziest upkick it was kind of just a no it wasn't it was it, it wasn't that bad I, it's not one that looked like it truly did need to be a point taken here like i'm not even like up in arms about it but it's right. i think that's something that people were irked by i think more people are upset that the fight started standing E worked worked to get it down on the ground, gets kicked in the face, and now he has to restart back on the feet. I mean, we can get the details of that, I guess, later, but uh, I don't want to go too far away from the whole point of the the Duho Choi clash of heads. But I don't know. I I think you and I at least both agree that, yeah, the the point deduction here seemed justified. Point's fine. fine. Yeah. Yeah. It's unfortunate because... Bisping loved that a point was taken. He, he really did. Yeah, yeah. I, he was he's all about that. And, and I thought Laura Sanko did a really good job of explaining the rule behind it as well. Because yeah, she's very good with the rules and the criteria and all these things. I thought I, I thought about this while I was watching. Uh, I think it might have been this fight in particular. This is like team criteria because you have John Gooden who and, and this is no slight to John Anik here, but Gooden seems to be even more in tune with the way they utilize the criteria. Yeah, good. It's something they that him and Dan Hardy talked about a lot. They've obviously done the homework. Um, so that was really good. You bring in Laura Sanko for her first time calling an actual official UFC event here. And she already passed the judging test. She's she's paid past courses. She absolutely knows what she's talking about. She is just a she's as close to an authority as anybody else. And she's also fight fought before too and then you have bisping who of all the let's say um established commentators who are you know former fighters on the ufc panel he's the one that seems to have the best understanding of the criteria now as well yeah he's he's coming a long way so so that that whole team there i feel like between them they're the ones who are going to get the best education out there probably right so i yeah more more please is what i'm really saying (laughs) but you can sub anik in there i think anik's perfectly fine in there as well I'm sure he'd welcome the chance to not have to sit back and correct everybody for blatantly wrong and like ridiculously dumb takes on how the criteria works or doesn't. Yeah. Or or arguing about the stupid stats when it comes to takedowns. 
I did notice that they had mount time as one of the stats in one of the Ooh, fights. That's more interesting. So I don't know if does that's that only count full mount or is that like does it count side mount or no? This well, this this was strictly mount. Um, I forget what fight it was in. Okay, but it was just I mount. assume full yeah. mount. Yeah. Interesting. I missed that. So, but anyway, yeah, I don't think we have much more to say about this fight, though. It is, though, unfortunate because you and I did the Cowside Override. If it was up to us and granted close round, we would have had this fight still be a victory for Choi 29 27. Yep. Didn't go that way. Sorry, Charlie. <laughs> All right. What's the next one? Yeah, next up, we are going to go back to this fight the, uh, the Lee versus the E fight, right? Yep. Split decision. Typical split decision, two 29-28s and a 30-27 the other way. <laughs> uh, all three rounds being split. And this one is an alternate decision. Yeah, one of those alternate. Alternative decisions. Yep. Excuse me. I, I always butcher my own language. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know. I guess we, we've kind of, we've danced around a lot of stuff. We probably have to do it to start getting pedal to the metal here. And I know you don't love these fights anyway. So, fly through these uh, explanations as fast as you'd like. So All right, let me start one. let me start with this was truly a terrible round of MMA. <laughs> only <laughs> yes, really only slightly better than Asparza and Nama Yunus. I think it yeah. Uh, Honestly, this fight this round reminded me in a lot of ways and it wasn't even as good as that, but it reminded me of the third round of Patty Pimblett and Jared Gordon. This was yeah, very similar to that. As very well. similar yeah. in the way they played out. Um, but yeah, I think there was still a little bit more thrill in the other fight. Yeah, really, all E did was try to take down Lee, and when he did get him there, uh, at the cage in particular. Yeah, once once he did bring him down briefly, he did absolutely nothing with it but hold him. I don't even think he threw a knee in the clinch until like forty seconds left. Meanwhile, throughout Lee is landing some punches against the cage. Uh, with like twenty seconds left, E lands a. Good punch, and that's it. Uh, a boring round to discuss. Who would I rather be? I'd rather be the guy who didn't get punched in the face multiple times. So I'm on 10-9, Lee. I mean, I guess I get you. I did score this one for E anyway. I'm not really married to it. I don't want to defend it very heavily. <laughs> is, is that fair? That's fine. I, Can I feel that way? <laughs> like, a, a judge wouldn't be able to do that, like, realistically. Like, you have to, you'd have to be able to say a lot more than that. But I didn't feel well. <laughs> Just was... give me give me a little pass here, um, but I did I did score it in the majority though I scored it the same way as Jacob Montalvo, um, who was making his Las Vegas debut by the way his Nevada debut. Um, we've seen him referee and judge in various commissions. He's uh, based out of Texas, I believe. So um, welcome to Nevada, there, uh, Judge Montalvo, and uh, he was alongside Junichiro Camillo on this round. So, but you saw it the same way as David Lethby, who also yep. made his debut in Nevada. Good for him. Good to see him on there. Came halfway across the world for this one. Mm-hmm. Or like a quarter of the way. I forget how long the, the hours would be. I think it's like an eight-hour difference. So, yeah, it's like I'll two-thirds of the way around the world. All right. Something like that. Ask a geologist. Or not a geologist. That's the that's the study of rocks. <laughs> <laughs> Geographer? Geographer. Okay. There you go. Cartographer, even. They make maps. Mm. Neither here nor there. Round two. Yeah, at least this round had some action. Uh, as he was willing to stand a bit. That was a decent round. Yeah, he he landed some good shots while on the feet and actually threw some elbows in the clinch. Lee landed hard shots himself, and and then E gets it down, lands a nice elbow. Then Lee, you know, hits an up kick as we spoke about. Uh, the round is paused and it resumes standing. I think I don't know why that was hit. You would think it would restart back on the ground. One would think. Anyway, uh, close round, but I see it for E ten nine. I had this one uh, for Lee, actually. I went the other way. 
I thought he was landing the more effective strikes. That's All right. Pretty much where I went for it. Fair. Yeah. So we both have it tied at 19 all. This is a barn burner. I think everyone was on the edge of their seat for this fight. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if you had action on it or something. Um, probably the only way you'd be. Or if you were, you know, maybe you were related to them. But I got you round know three. I got to I got to start using making sure I'm on the follow tab on Twitter because mm-hmm. I'm always on. I always end up on the for you somehow. Oh, it's because they and, want you to go back to that very quickly. And blame Elon. MMA uh, gambling Twitter is just uh, a nightmare. It's a toxic health. It's like, wait, I, yeah, I don't want to see this. You guys have no idea what you're talking about at it's all. It's really just a bunch of people being babies about losing money. It's like they never take into account their own bias that they had money on this fight. That's why they're seeing it through this lens. What's great is that, like, no matter which way the fight ends, they're going some segment of them is going to be super mad and think that they were screwed yeah always mm-hmm. always 1-800-GAMBLER my friends if you <laughs> well they help. win though they win so they, i mean i'm just saying it's a good resource for people they're good at what they do it's just when they lose they can't handle it they some don't. of them are good at what they do i get you okay yes otherwise vegas would be out of business i, I get you yeah no, no no and and this isn't this isn't me trying to like you know crap all over all of the people who who do you know betting and that kind of thing and, and gambling and that kind of thing and right especially the, the people who write stuff i think at least are a little more sensible typically okay i first off i know some of them yeah you know so you know people like dan stupp who i have a very high opinion of um eric richter my colleague at the new york post eric's um, eric dan was Tom, awesome of course eric was absolutely awesome on saturday night he was shut, right? he was shutting everyone down left and right yeah when they were trying to talk about judging and i i, I Applaud him because he my was guy. he was fantastic with that. That's my guy. And he yes, listens to our show sometimes. Dan Tom is a good guy too. He sure is. Action Network now. He's with the Action Network. We do some yeah. stuff with them in the New York Post. Yeah, that's so awesome. Maybe Dan Tom will end up in the pages of the New York Post one day. You never know. That'd be pretty cool. That would be pretty cool. If it does, I'll uh, I'll have to save the paper. But that's neither here nor there. We're not a gambling show, sir. I know. We're right. judging show. Just, Let's get to round three. There's another rant I had. Another... I know. I know. We're we we do we're getting sidetracked left and right on this one. Yeah. All right, round three. This was a close round. Lee landed pretty heavy on the feet. E landed a couple shots, but he's mostly using a Sabatello approach of wrestling and doing nothing but hold on. Uh, Once in a while, he'll throw a punch. But Lee didn't have all that much offense, so it's kind of close. Whatever. Uh, Thankfully, it's over. 10-9 Lee. Yeah, that's all. That's all I'm going to say. That's all, folks. I didn't actually say the judging splits on round two, and and I'll do that for round three as well. But round two... Uh, it was uh, Judges Leatherby and Montalvo who saw it for E the same way as you. I stood firm with Judge Camillo, uh and gave that one to Lee. Round three, though, it was Judges Leatherby and Camillo who saw it for Lee, as both you and I did. And Judge Montalvo was on his own here. I didn't think this was a bad score, but I did feel much better about Lee here. Did you agree? I agree. I think, okay. yeah, Lee was doing more of the uh, effective offense, I would say. Yeah. But I mean I, I think you have an argument for E too because it's it's low output both ways. Yeah, oh yeah. So, Anytime you're in a low output like I'm I'm never I'm really not gonna be it's gonna be hard for me to say close but clear in a low output round because there's just not enough happening. So how clear could it really be? Mm-hmm. It can be, but I don't think we really got there here. So yeah, defensible score from Montalvo. I just went the other way. And so I ended up with the exact same scorecard as Judge Camillo, and I felt like I was in pretty good company there. Yeah, I was with David Leatherby. You did, you did. And it ended up being that every judge on this fight was uh, was the out judge. At one point, yeah. That'll happen once in a while. 
There's like, there are all different split decisions are funny. There's like different types of them, right? So there's like the one where it's like, oh, just one round decided the whole thing. And then there's the one that's like, oh, we have, uh, you know, all the judges were, were all over the map. Everybody had something different in one round or another, right? And then we have like alternative decisions, which plays out here as well. Like I would much rather have all th- different types, three split rounds in an action packed fight. Like these, the discussing winners and fights where almost nothing's happening. It's like, this is just boring. No, nah, I don't blame you. And thus we soldier on because, yeah. hey, we got the chance to talk about two of the, uh, the first rounds in Nevada by uh, two of the newest judges in Nevada. Yeah, that was cool. Moving on, though, to another fight that you probably wish had not occurred on this card. Uh, Yansung Park got the win over Seungguk Choi via round three submission, rear naked choke. Round one and two both split here. So, so let's start with one. Well, let me let me start. What another? Yeah, yeah. What this, do you want? This upset me. They're saying, "Oh, this guy Park is a finisher," and I didn't see that for the first two rounds. I was like, "Come on, what are we doing here?" Well, yeah, but then well, what's, uh, are you, you guys lying to me? I didn't watch Road to UFC. Are you sure he's a finisher? Because he's not fighting like that. And then he did eventually, but I wish it happened sooner because it was late. It was getting late. Anyway, round it was one. Very late. Uh. Almost two full minutes of half-hearted leg kicks and feints. Then Park kicks the legs, gets it caught, eats a right that sits him down, and then they stare at each other while kicking each other's legs a little bit. Uh, back on the feet, they resume the feint competition. Uh, when they do engage, I think Choi's landing a bit better. Park's landing some good leg kicks. I favor Choi, 10-9. I went the other way. I went to Park here. Okay. Yeah. So the same way as Chris Lee and Rick Winter. But you were on the same page as Judge Eric Cologne. Yep. North Jersey. (laughs) (laughs) Round two. Round two. Decent round. Uh, They do stare at each other for a little bit, but, you know, Park lands a good good one to the head. Good low kicks. Uh, Choi lands some shots, especially on top on the ground. He lands a pretty good elbow there. Um, But on the whole, I think Park round 10-9. Yeah, me too. This time I did side with uh, South Jersey. You sided with the communists? The communists in South Jersey, that's right. (laughs) <laughs> uh eric cologne and rick winter uh it was uh chris lee who was on his own saw this one for Choi, but their scores didn't matter because once again yansung park is a finisher he finished it thank god i mean <laughs> he but did what he's supposed to do he just did it later than you wanted well they they also stared at each other two full minutes of the first round i was like what? i'm not saying they didn't you do that. are that's true that was you, a terrible first round you are lying commentary team telling me he's a finisher <laughs> hey anderson silva's a finisher what he do for the first round in a lot of fights just stared but it was always, what's he going to do? Well, He's going to sure. do something. But he'd earned he that rep because, you, because you'd watched him. Maybe if you'd watched the uh, the journey of Yansung Park, you also would have been like, oh, man, what's he going to do? I can't wait. That remains to be seen. It's, well, it can't be seen because you haven't watched that journey. Yeah. And you probably aren't going to. That's how these things tend to go. Yeah. That's fair. I understand. Um, but that was it for that one. We only have one more UFC round to discuss mm-hmm. and that was uh that was in your favorite fight of the night the fight of the night on dan's card marching tabora against blagoy i think it was i think it was the highest caliber fight i'm not saying so, it wasn't but also it was a heavyweight fight that went three rounds i know and, and I, angry. I, I, I honestly couldn't believe it I was like, it just makes me angry because i mean look it was a fine fight it wasn't it, it didn't like i don't know make me mad that i was still watching it or being frustrated that hey why are they just grappling against the cage and not doing anything and you know mm. just doing wrist lock and stuff now this was this was <laughs> higher level i will give you that but nonetheless 
round two. Heavyweights are supposed to deliver what I got from Sergey Spivak, which was save the day, get it out of here in half a round. And they didn't do that. And he, yeah, he didn't. But uh, all right. but anyway, and nonetheless, round two of this fight is the only one we're going to be talking about because it is 29-28 twice for Tybora and a 30-27. So you want everything else except round two where it was split. What happened in round two? Uh, this was a good round. Both guys landed pretty well. I think Ivanov was getting a slightly better reaction with his lands, especially with his left hand. Uh, it seemed like he was punching through the guard or uh, around it pretty well. Maybe not landing as flush as Tabora was, but I thought he was getting the better, you know, effective reactions there. Uh, Tabora had his moments. He attacked the body real good. I think it's a really close round, but I favor Ivanov. Uh, also want to point out poor Junichiro Camillo was leaning quite far to the right because I, I don't know if they moved the judge's chair, but he was kind of stuck right behind the pad well, that's uh, a good place of be. the door, which, I mean, this is such an easy fix. Why is this still an issue? Uh, so maybe that's the reason... Uh, maybe he didn't see it as well. He was leaning pretty well. I don't want to make no uh, any excuses. This was a close round regardless. You can defend the score both ways. But I'm on even off 10-9. Listen, the judges need to just be lucky that they haven't put ads up that cover all of the cage panels that they're supposed to be watching from. <laughs> they're lucky they still get chain link fence anymore. That's true. Yeah. So just be grateful, judges. Do you think it could be? No. What? I don't even want to get into that. Never mind. What do you? No. All right, fine. That's fine. Um. Yeah, God, that would be awful if they did what I'm talking about. How terrible would that be mm-hmm. if they're like, no, sorry, guys, we're going to put an ad up here. Just watch the screen. Yeah. What? The... <laughs> but if anyone would do it, it's the UFC. I wonder if that's legal. I wonder if there are any like regulations against. I bet you there's not. I bet, I bet you there's they, nothing... they, they would put something in real quick. It. They would put something mm-hmm. in real quick. They'd have to say they would have to be like, listen, we we cater to you plenty. We're not we're not doing this. I would I would so... hope so. I would really hope so. Yeah. But I just, this is not a sport that surprises me in good ways. It's usually the other way. <laughs> so hopefully I'd be wrong there. But yeah, so I had it, uh, Ivanov as well, I should point out. Uh, I thought his hands were working really well in this round. I thought he did some real good work there, and that was pretty much it. But a, but a close round. Mm-hmm. So we had it the same as uh, Judge Ben Cartledge, who, this is not his first time, if, if I recall, in Vegas, right? I he, think it's he second. He worked one last year. Yeah. Second, yeah, that's yeah. what I thought. Um, but but nonetheless, also a, a relative newcomer to the uh, Las Vegas fight scene, uh, not a newcomer to judging. Of course, we've had him on our show before. He's one of the best judges in the whole world. Um, and he was in agreement with his countryman, David Leatherby. Yeah, it was uh, Kamijo who's who saw this for Tybora, mm-hmm. like you said. Mm-hmm. And that is it for that one. But we do have one round from Bellator to go back to for the 10 seven gauge. Got to gauge our 10 sevens. I'm, I like that. I like that we can do this. This is fun. I actually have a good time with this. Um, Ali Isayev versus Steve Mowry. 28-28 draw. Unanimous draw. We had one of those a few years ago. Cody Durden and Chris Gutierrez. Had yeah. Cody Durden on after that fight to talk mm-hmm. about it as well. Um, this is the second time, if I recall, that it's just a 28-28 straight up unanimous draw and had nothing to do with point deduction. Not in, not in MMA history, but in let's say MMA decisions tracked mm-hmm. history, okay. right? And this is the only, the only reason that Maori didn't just lose this fight was because he went bonkers in round two. He did. He did. And almost to Isaiah's fault <laughs> is why it happened. <laughs> yeah. So, so set it up, set it up. So yeah. So round two, they're on the feet. Isaiah lands. I don't even know if he lands. They probably get partially blocked Uh, spinning heel kick to the ear area. And then after that, 
he tries a hip toss or a judo throw, ends up falling to the ground and immediately back taken by Maori. There's I looked at the clock, there's like 4.36 left in the round. And he's flattening him out and he's just punching the back of his head. Not the back of the head, these illegal shots, I'm sorry. Punching the side of his head, just, just yes. letting go. And Herb Dean's telling him, hey, you better fight back. I'm I'm getting close to stopping this here. He fights back. And then, you know, I wish it would be scored a 10-7 normally. There was a couple lulls where Mori needed to rest and understand Later so. in the round, yeah. Um, but he is in mount or on the back flattened out for over four minutes, 30 seconds of the round. Herb Dean has given Isaiah every chance to fight back in the beginning portion of this uh, sequence. Yeah, a lot of fights get stopped in that position so, with that argument. And yeah, I would have no problem if he stopped it. And Mori sort of lets Isaiah off the hook because he attacks an arm triangle after Herb Dean's exact words were, I'm going to stop it. And then he just, he go instead of continue to punch and probably does get a stop, he attacks a sub. Doesn't get the but sub. A, I mean, it was a good attack. He doesn't it, get it, but it is a good attack. It's a good I, attack. I, I get I, what you're saying. Like, the logic is you keep right. punching. I get that. Uh, he has to abandon it because he's not, he must not have it completely or he doesn't feel he has it. He goes back sure. into mount. And from here, I just felt the strikes weren't overwhelmingly impactful anymore. I never felt Isaiah was in danger of getting finished at this point. He just took a beating. But I never felt uncomfortable watching it or felt it needed to be stopped. So I, I'm on the 10-8, but I would I would kind of love for this to be a 10-7. I think this should be a 10-7, but yeah, I think I think I'm with you. I think this like it kind of walks up to the line of the 10-7, kind of takes a look yeah. at it, and it's like, nah, no, no, especially because of that late. I want to say the last minute-ish or so of the round, he, he very much peters out. I think if the round ended after four minutes, I actually could give it a 10-7. Possibly, yeah. I, I think yeah. I really could. Um, yeah, a lot of the steam I, I, from the punches. I think the going. damage is there. I actually think the damage is there. Um, it's it's on the lower end of it, but I think it's there. Uh, and because again, like we looked at this fight as like, well, this guy probably could have been stopped, you know. And he's he's absorbing quite a beat down, even with a lot of the 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 ground punches after that sequence where he was all flattened out, right? That yeah. you add in you add in the grappling dominance of going for those attacks, and and I understand you're not going to get uh, a ten seven with submission attempts but i think when you can factor in the other damage that should at least not count against you well no i you're think you're trying to you know i do think he had overwhelming dominance and overwhelming duration right i think i think it's the damage kind of like you said peter's off it does peter so... off that's that's exactly what the problem is it like it goes it gets pretty close i think this would have been much higher on the list of of lopsided 10 eights this was obviously a bellator round so we, and we didn't ex examine those in our 10-7 show earlier mm -hmm. this year but um yeah I, I think it's a big round it's a round that ought to be included in some measure i think of, of a 10-7 but that's because i like to expand the definition and i'm it's probably not gonna happen i'm glad i'm glad it was unanimous 10-8 because uh, big john would have blown a gasket if it was oh my god yes he would have <laughs> probably maybe maybe even outside of uh the broadcast po yeah very possible but but nonetheless, all three judges came through. They had the right score here. Chris Crail, Elliot Kelly, and we have to give a big shout out here, Dan. Yeah. One of our very first supporters of the Couchside yep, Judges. For sure. Who found this show very early in the process, very early in 2020 during the pandemic. Hadi Muhammad Ali, who to my knowledge is working in California for the first time on this card, or at least the first time. It's definitely the first time on a Bellator card. It's, uh, it's the California, first time I've noticed. I've, I've seen him like. I, I mean, I've seen him on Brave before. On yeah, Brave absolutely. He's Brave. Stuff, he, so. he he works in, in that region of the world a lot. 
um, Europe and, and kind of all over that that part of the world. So it was to see him over to come on over and just knowing that he was a big supporter of our show early on, that was super cool. So congratulations, Hadi. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I will mark down because I left I, I think it's good that we can kind of like reveal it to each other on this one because we what we do on our little bit of a behind the scenes guys we put down our scores on our little outline here so we know how each person thought about the rounds that way we don't forget to say it or something like that right Mm -hmm. or maybe maybe we forget what what score we had right but because we just kind of did a simple no yes no here is this 10-7 or not we left it off we said okay let's let's surprise each other so but for housekeeping we're gonna put down a no And that is it. Now we can go on to our finishes. Fellator for all the fights they had. They only had four finishes, all by TKO or KO. Two of them ended in the first round, so a lot of rounds scored, like we said. UFC, a lot more finishes. As we know, there were a few rounds scored. Seven finishes, three TKO or KO, four submission. You don't see a lot of times where the subs outweigh the, uh, the TKOs. And five ended in the first round. Across two events and 11 finishes, what was your favorite, sir? Uh, this was pretty easy. Uh, Lorenz Larkin just knocking out. Uh, I don't even know if I can say his name right. Muhammad Birhamov with an elbow. Out cold, walk-off, elbow, KO. I have a feeling we're going to be discussing Ishmael Bonfim and Lorenz Larkin come December for the judgy of knockout of the year. Early prediction. Could be. Could be. Could be. This was I sick. am surprised, though, that you went for this because you are always the sub guy. Yeah, normally. I, you I know mean, it's a great I... knockout. Like, it's it's not like you shouldn't pick it, but it's just not the way you tend to go. I thought uh, Tyra had a nice arm bar, but this, this... And that was what I was going to pick, sir. So, I mean... Tatsuro Tyra, he had an amazing triangle arm bar. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah, that, that was my favorite uh, when I caught up to it because that was that actually happened concurrent to Bellator. Yeah, it did. So I no, <laughs> it's unfortunate how few people were actually watching like I that had, fight I had live. I had both on at the time. But, yeah, I mean, uh, some people have two screens and they were doing that. If I was well, I probably would have done the same thing. But yeah, I mean, I was having enough trouble watching one, so I said, "All right, let's just kind of pare it down right now. I'll catch it later." But yeah, Tatsuro Tyra really stood out, and he obviously he's an interesting prospect in the sport anyway. So that was a a cool finish. He did what he was supposed to do, ended it in round one, and great job to him. Yep. And now we can look forward to this coming weekend with UFC 284. Um, now, we had already talked about this is the return after three years and change to Australia, almost three and a half years. We talked about the Aussie judges a few weeks ago in that show. We revisited a bunch of rounds. I think we came away with the understanding that, hey, these judges seem to at least be sharp enough to get on the right side of the equation. The bulk of them in terms of who yeah. won the round. There weren't a whole lot of there was actually one judge we weren't even focusing on that kind of showed up a lot more. Hopefully, maybe Barry Foley. Hopefully we don't see his name uh, necessarily. But all th- I think all the other judges that we had, you know, had kind of looked at the Evan Fields, Garth Harriman's, you know, Christopher Shen, Albert Shen, all these types. If, if, if we see them again, I'd be fine. But maybe rein in the 10 eights. And that's crazy for me to say because I actually <laughs> like I believe in it heavily, but they're just there's so much more out there than than anywhere else in the world. The ten eights and, and it just doesn't fit. Mm. You just want consistency, you know. And that's it. That's the only thing we're going to talk about for this, right? Not the fights. There's no interesting fights on this. No, part. definitely not any interesting. Fights. So that was our show. Have a great time. <laughs> Enjoy watching the judges judge. No, we got a major fight here. Uh, of course, Islam Makachev defending his belt for the first time against the 145-pound champion, 
Alexander Volkanovsky, who's going for that 55 strap. I, this is going to be great. It's going to be so interesting seeing how Volkanovsky, you know, works through this fight. Like, how's he, how's he solve any problems here? The He's line for this fight seems completely out of whack. It's like, it's really unbalanced to me. I think uh, Volkanovski is like a, he's like plus 275 yeah, or something like that. He's almost a three like to that. one dog. Yeah, that's like goofy. Not that, I'm, not that we're a betting show, obviously, and I'm not betting this, but man, you're going to disrespect him like that. Like, I understand, like, favor the champ, but I, I feel like the odds of Volkanovski winning are significantly better than what the betting odds would imply. Yeah, uh, you would think so, and then until it happens, like Islam just walks through him, and you're like, "Oh, all right, I get it now." You know, even if you like, walked through him, I was still would feel like, "Okay, that's one out of that." I I wouldn't even feel like that's like every time. I feel like I, if he walked through him over the course of like four rounds and like dragged him through the dirt, you might be able to convince me. But if he like if he just takes him down real quick round one and like taps him, it's like I don't know. I don't even know if that proves it enough. Mm. It proves he's better. Like I, I, I would accept that. I'm just not. I don't know, man. It just seems like these two are more balanced than you'd think because there's still a lot about Islam's game that just I don't know how well rounded it's going to be against someone who I view as quite well rounded. Well, yeah, Volkanovski is very good, very, very mm-hmm. good. Uh, and being like, short, he you know he calls him short guy. Being the short guy might not be the worst thing here. He's got a lower center of gravity, a little easier to stand upright and be able to to box in the way that he would like to and and, yeah. and kick the way he'd like to. Even I'm curious to see. You know, Volkanovski has a great gas tank at 45, 55. That so it's that's not going to be an issue at all. He did say he bulked up for this fight in particular, though. Like he bulked up, but he's he doesn't intend to keep the bulk for other even fifty five fights. He just felt probably, he needed it against this guy. Probably because Makachev could probably fight at one eighty five. I think the thing, so. well, it's probably part of it at least, but I think part of it too is the just the nature of the the way he's going to fight. Like he's going to try and throw his weight around in mm. in such a way and take him down, as opposed to you know maybe he just hits harder. Yeah, I mean, I'm very intrigued by it. this. Is this is going to be a great fight. I hope. I like it too. I really, really like this fight. I don't love all the card, but I like this fight. I like the other title fight, interim title fight, I should say. Um, yeah. Cause they're going stupid. They're doing the interim interrupt. title fight for, yeah. for Volkanovsky's division because he's not defending here. I think it's stupid, but I also kind of almost agree with it in a weird way because all you're doing is saying, well, this is a number one contenders fight for the guy who's fighting here already on this card. So it's just like an official stamp on it. I do still think interim title fights are stupid, but I don't know. I guess I'm less mad about it in this one, except for this, because there's also the other fight that's not taking yeah. place on this card exactly. between Max Holloway and Arnold Allen. That I was just about to say that. Like, what, what but do, if, you, do you do there? But if Max wins, it doesn't matter. Like, he's not good. You wouldn't put him against Volkanovski now. No, but say Yair beats Josh Emmett. Max has already beaten Yair. Sure. Pretty convincingly. Do they fight for that interim title again in the meanwhile? It was a competitive fight, at least. I'm not yeah. saying it wasn't convincing, but it was it was more competitive than some of the other Max fights. So, I don't know. I, I, yeah, I, 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 I love the matchup. I just don't... I, I, whatever. Title, I get no it. title. No, cares, I get it. Whatever. I know. It's, it's one of those things you almost have to, like turn your brain off like when you're watching like a dumb movie that's just meant to be enjoyed it's like just just shut up sometimes you have to do that that's how i that's how i watch all the fast and furious movies and i love them <laughs> all of them every single fast and furious movie. um starting like from like i kind of ignore when the rock got it when the rock started coming out like okay that's, that's when fine. i started liking them no i can that's fair i do like the first one though yeah first one was good first one's good second one's the uh, third i skipped four yeah 
and then five. Yeah, that's when it got really good again. Yeah. Or when I say again, it got better than the original. Anyway. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we already said this is the Aussie judges. Um, there was only one other fight that I had like a strong interest in. I'm not saying the other fights like I couldn't care about, but the only other fight that I was like, ooh, was Jack Della, Madalena, and Randy Brown. I like this fight. Yeah, I'm a big fan of uh, Madalena. Um, Randy Brown was blocking my view <laughs> at UFC He's Long a tall Island. man. What do you want? He's a tall man in the front row. Sit down. <laughs> Come on. You should. I'm telling you, you should have told him. I'm not going to tell him anything. Yes, do you should have. You, do whatever you want. I, I want no, you, I want no you smoke. You are a scared little man. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. That's all right. Uh, this, had, this is another fight where I think the odds are out of whack. I forget what they uh, are. I, didn't I was even typing look at it up for work, but I think Madalena at least. Uh, I, I don't think Randy Brown is a pushover. No, not, not at all. So I, I would like to see. I, I think this is actually going to be an interesting fight. It should be interesting. So yeah, uh, that's, also, that's and that's part of why it's a uh, another fight of interest to me. <laughs> there's really nothing else. That's all that I mean, interesting. There's, there's fights. Um, there's like, good I, fights. I, but... I said Pedro Modestus Bukaskas. I think is kind of interesting. But okay. like I'm kind of stretching there. But the thing this is, would what... be a this is like a card that like I would tell people like you probably don't need to watch these prelims. Like you you could skip them if you didn't feel like doing anything. Like literally just go to a bar at like 11:30 and then watch mm-hmm. the two title fights. Well. The thing we we lost uh, Kai Kara France and Alex Perez. They were supposed to yeah, fight in this card. That would have been nice. And uh, Whitaker and Costa never really came to fruition for this one. Yeah, that would also have been much nicer too. So it, they would have been. I think if they had had those two fights on the main card, and they also had Jack Della on there as well. I don't know if they would have maybe taken one out, and made it the feature prelim, maybe Jack Della. Um, but yeah, that would have been a really terrific main card. But. It is what it and is. then they just either way, this is an awesome set of title fights, I think. Oh, so. yeah. The top, a lot the of top, fun. the top three, I think, are awesome fights. Then, of course, they just had to throw in that that heavyweight on the main card, uh, Justin Toff and Parker Porter. Yes, just throw yes, it in do. there, yeah, on the main card. We, we could put That's it out. Yeah, I'm, right. I'm really interested if Parker Porter is going to earn that uh rematch eventually against John Jones. <laughs> I think John Jones would have to fall far, and at that know. point, he would just walk away. I don't know, depends how much <laughs> money he needs. You never know. You think John has, Jones uh, and Parker Porter has an issue himself? of drug issues? You just never know how far a man can fall. I don't root for that. I root for anybody who overcome drug issues. First off, but just saying, people make bad decisions when they're on drugs. <laughs> and John's made a lot of bad decisions in life. Let's face it; we know about a lot of them. All right, that does it for this episode of the Couchside Judges. We'll be back again on schedule next weekend on Monday to break down. Uh, UFC in Australia. Assuming I don't get sick. Just stay healthy. I w- yeah, I will, I will do my best. I'm going to tell my kids not to get sick, too. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Take care, everybody. <laughs>